1: Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
2: What if I told you everything you know about the world is wrong? What if I told you that all the things you believe to be impossible are in fact very much possible? Reality is not what you think it is. So much more complicated, fascinating, and, above all, terrifying. We are at the fringes of the map, and there's more than just
3: dragons. You come to, and you can see the, like, walls, or like you're coming in and out of consciousness. When you come into consciousness, you can see concrete walls all around you, with signage and with painted-on numbers and stuff like that. Then you fade out. You fade back in. You see the the concrete walls again. You fade out. You fade back in. This time, you're surrounded by ice. Ice on all sides. Like a, a tunnel borrowed into ice. You fade out. You fade back in. You're in that borrowed tunnel again. You fade out. You fade back in. And this time, you're finally awake. You have two points of aggravated damage and five points of lethal.
2: Okay. Who's been dragging me? What, what's my... Am I tied up? What's my situation?
3: You're not tied up. You're in a very strange room surrounded by ice. All around you, you can see corpses. Many, many corpses. Some fresh. Some look very, very old. You feel like you're in a lair of some kind.
2: Uh, look, Any of them resemble Ericsson?
3: Yeah, you see Ericsson's body here. Damn. You also see a single other living human being huddled up against the wall, shivering intensely, but with a big smile on his face. Inspector... Inspector Birch, is it?
2: Nice to meet you, Joseph.
3: It's a pleasure to finally meet. Between you and Joseph, you see... Near the corpse of uh, Roland Erickson, you can see that his gun is still holstered. Roland Erickson? No, no, it wouldn't be, but it's in his hand, clutched in a vice-like grip. Okay.
2: What is uh, Joseph just doing?
3: He's just there with his teeth chattering. You're kind of looking at him round and a plinth made of ice. Upon the plinth, there are, you can see, several wooden little statuettes. Do you do all this? He shakes his head. Of course not. It was it was him.
2: As I'm saying this, maybe edging towards um, Erickson's body. Mm-hmm. And who is him?
3: God. J- J- Jesus Christ. Our Lord and Savior. The H- Holy Spirit.
2: Uh-huh. I might have uh, missed this lesson in Sunday school.
3: Of course. They wouldn't t- t- tell you, would they? You get to Erickson. He he goes off on a sermon. He starts telling you about him. He he tells you, like, the the Bible story of Jesus, but with several glaring omissions. <laughs> and with some added bits that you do not remember.
2: This is the uh, body of Christ. Okay, I get it. Um, I'll grab Erickson's. Do I have any of my weapons on me or anything like that? Or just...
3: Mm. No, uh, what were you using when you fell down the shotgun? Actually, you Shot- have your sight arm. Okay. It would be in its holster still.
2: I'll um, just grab Erickson's gun mm-hmm. and I'll just aim it at Joseph.
3: You pull the trigger and click. The gun is empty. Erickson presumably emptied it completely in life. Fair enough. A large, loping figure. Stands in the doorway. You're shocked that it moved so quickly. It's a man after a fashion, but big, too big. It has like a big shaggy fur coat draped over it. The size of maybe two bears. And when it moves, you can see that it is powerful. It's muscles upon muscles as it moves. It collapses like little bits of ice above it from the wall and then the little cave that you're in as its giant antlers scrape the ceiling. Yeah,
2: well, you're not at the bear. I'll grab my sidearm. Do I have my rifle with me as well?
3: No, that wouldn't be with you now.
2: I'll uh, grab my sidearm and um, shoot Joseph.
3: As you aim at Joseph, the giant creature picks him up and brings him to its mouth. Joseph continues to preach until he begins screaming. The creature devours Joseph. Huh. Have you ever seen Saturn eating his son, the pitcher? Yeah. Yeah. Saturn devours his son, I think it's called, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The Titans.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The creature consumes Joseph with maybe four four or five bites, and then a giant gulping sound. The creature turns to you.
2: I'll just steady my aim and aim for its head. Well, we're going to go to initiative. And let's just empty that clip. (gasps) Do I have the flare gun?
3: You do have the flare gun. I'll
2: get the flare gun first. All right. I'll get the flare gun and then aim it at this stupid werewolf's head or whatever it is. (laughs) Antlers. Deer. Where deer's head.
3: Warren, you level the flare gun at his head and open fire. It's <laughs> gonna be negative two to your shot because of wounds. I'll give you your handgun bonus though. So right now you're looking at three dice. Typically, it's negative four to hit a creature's head, but this creature is so much larger, I'll call it negative two instead, so it's just one on the die. Mm -hmm. You shockingly get a single success. The flare explodes at the end of the flare gun and strikes the creature in the face, dealing it three points of damage. No, two points of damage, but I'll call them aggravated. We'll call this fire damage. The creature howls in rage, but does not seem to slow. Cool. Then a wolf launches out across from the side and strikes the creature. You recognize the wolf. It's red. Hmm. The creature takes a further three points of lethal damage. Then another wolf launches on it. Uh, that wolf misses. It's, as it launches, the creature swings out an arm and slams the wolf, and the wolf cries out in pain. Then a third wolf, which deals three more points of lethal damage. Then a fourth. Then a fifth. Then a sixth. Ooh, that's a good one. Then a seventh. Ooh, that's also good. Then an eighth. Finally... Fifth wolf, standing on two legs, launches at the creature. It swipes at the creature's face, tearing out giant chunks of its face. Eight wolves, plus that wolf standing on its hind legs, deal the creature a further 12 points of lethal damage. The creature is still standing. <laughs> One of the the wolf standing on its two legs looks back at you, narrows its eyes, and says, "Agent Birch, Hazel, all right, it's your turn, Warren.
2: I'll um grab my sidearm and aim it at the um the antlered thing,
3: the the, the big creature that the wolf. Yeah, you deal two points of lethal damage. Paf, paf. Oh wait, you fire twice. Now, yeah, two points of lethal damage." Paff, paff. Then the creature attacks twice. It picks up a wolf and tears it in half. Then it picks up a second wolf and slams it into the plinth. All of the little the little wooden statuettes fall, tumble off the plinth and land one by one boom, 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 around you. The one... Nearest to you, you can see has something haphazardly carved into it. It looks like the carving was interrupted. Cass. Yes. The year is 1898. You are north of Canada in a sailing vessel, an icing or a whaling vessel, as they were sometimes referred to as. You're sailing just north of the newly established territory of Yukon. In Canada. It's only earlier this year that it was formally recognized to be its own separate entity within Canada. You are heading towards a small whaling village called New Carthage in northern Yukon. You are a member of the London Anthropological Society. Uh-huh. What's your name?
4: My name is Genebel de Boeuf. I'm an archaeologist.
3: Archaeologist and anthropologist.
4: Ah, yeah. (laughs) Anthropologist.
3: (laughs) You've been summoned here, or, or invited, rather, I should say, by a company called Bismarck Oil & Coal. They're a large, well, obviously energy company that lives north out here, or that has several very big investments out here north of Canada. There's a mining, um, small at first, but it's slowly, Bismarck wants to turn it into a much larger mining company, or mining operation out here. And you are aware that they uncovered a, a discovery. They made a fine at the mine. Mm. And because the locals refused to continue working until someone was brought out to have a look at it, they... Well, they contacted several people, but finally the London Society decided that they should help, or that they accepted that they would help. And you were sent along as potentially someone that the Anthropological Society just wants out of their hair for a little while.
4: A wise choice.
3: You're, um, from looking at your character sheet, you're a little bit of an Indiana Jones type, it appears.
4: Oh, yeah, just a touch.
3: Just a touch. (laughs) Except I suppose Indiana Jones was a good archaeologist in some ways, at least he knew some things.
4: Hey, I got myself hired and I'm not getting myself fired, so that's a mark in my book, eh? (laughs) (laughs) So,
3: New Carthage is not actually your ultimate destination, it's just where you're going to be meeting the foreman, Armand Davis...
4: Arman Davis.
3: He's in charge of the site. You'll be meeting him there and several workers who are in the village. You're not sure why. You just know that you're going to be taking a bunch of people. You'll be sailing a little bit further west, almost touching what would be modern-day Alaska, but just before, and that's where the mine is. It's on the coast. It's slightly inland, but not incredibly so. Like, you'll be taking a boat the rest of the way, probably this boat, Incidentally, it's an old steamer. Well, a new steamer.
4: <laughs> for us,
3: for you and me, it would be an old steamer.
4: Ah, yes. Ye old steamer. Mm. Ye old shiny new steamer.
3: So, like I said, New Carthage, it's a small whaling village. Population about maybe 200. Aww. Not very large. You're looking at it as you approach, it would be the only settlement this north in Yukon. There's just nothing else of importance this far north.
4: Okay, so this is the closest place to the mine.
3: Yes, this is by far. Other than New Carthage, it would take you potentially weeks to meet any other civilization.
4: Ooh, it's pretty isolated. Yeah. What's down there? You know. <laughs> coal and or oil. Yeah, but they made a discovery. <laughs>
3: Yes, that's true.
4: Yeah, who put it there? What's going on?
3: You arrive at Newth Carthage. The ship is slightly too large for any of the docks here, so you have to climb down into a rowboat, and two crewmen are slowly rowing you ashore. When you get ashore, you see an old-looking man with long, wispy white hair. He's obviously balding. He's got that, like, um... He's got a bit of a riffraff look about him, but much older. He would be in his early 60s. He's wearing a large fur overcoat that has stitched into one of the pockets on the front the symbol for Bismarck Oil and Coal, mm-hmm. which is just like a B and a an O stuck together. Back when it was just Bismarck Oil, now it's Bismarck Oil and Coal.
4: Ooh, so it's a recent acquisition. Yeah, from they've there.
3: recently branched out into coal.
4: Oh yeah, you don't want to pay for reembroidery, but if it's just the letters on top of each other, you can just add the C. Just hook it in. Just send everything back. Get it re embroidered. Standing next to him
3: is another man in a similar jacket, but he has over in addition to that heavy winter coat, he has another coat over that, and that is just heavy furs. It looks like maybe wolf or bear fur. Ugh. Whatever it is, it's a it was a large animal, large enough that it only required one to make this coat. That man has short, cropped brown hair, and slung over one shoulder, a rifle.
4: Ooh, dangerous, cool.
3: As your boat pulls in, Armand grabs it and helps. Actually, both of the men grab and help you uh, come into shore.
4: Which one's Armand? Can I? Armand
3: is the uh, the one that looks like a riffraff. I told ah. you.
4: As you're pulling up,
3: Armand looks at you and says, "You, you would be." Uh, jenabel
4: yes and aman i assume
3: yes he reaches out and shakes your hand you've corresponded by letter once previously before you came i shake his hand he gave you just a broad assessment of the situation that's how you knew that the mine is a little bit further away yada 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 stuff like that
4: it's a pleasure to meet you aman
3: the pleasure is all mine i i i did not realize or i had hoped not that it would not be necessary to to send you along i thought we could just break it apart or whatever and send it to you
4: oh the society was quite pleased to send me on this mission
3: of course of course um he like maybe he got like a little bit mucky and a little bit dirty bringing the boat in so he just wipes his hands down on his coat and gestures to the man next to him uh this is robert martinez uh, he he'll be working security.
4: Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Martinez.
3: He nods but doesn't say anything. You
4: are uh, strong and silent. <laughs> <laughs> Hang
3: on,
4: I'm going. Just get, my match.
3: <laughs> I'm going to get you to make a. So we're using the World of Darkness system for this game, and World of Darkness works a bit different to D and D. So rather than rolling a single dice and trying to get as high as possible. World of Darkness works more with a you roll... You want to roll as many dice as possible. And the more dice that you have, the more chances you have at a success. So it's a D10, a 10-sided dice. A success is an 8, a 9, or a 10, or 0, you know, however you want to call it. 0, meaning that you get a re-roll and a success. So this roll that I'm about to make you do, it's a wits composure roll. You're basically reading... You're reading Armand's face. Mm-hmm. He's had an odd expression, and you're trying to work out what that means. That would be wits and composure. Your wits is three. Your composure is three. That's a total of six dice. Give those a roll. So that's not a single success. No! No eights, nines, or tens. But say you had a nine and a ten. That would be two successes, and I would take another die roll it again and you'd get another chance basically at this. Do you have the trained observer merit?
4: No, I do not. Okay. I have telepathy.
3: Okay. Well, uh, you need to expend so yes, you have <laughs> the psychic power of telepathy, which had I have known you were gonna, you were going to look at the the fucking paranormal abilities, I would have just said don't worry about it. But look, here we are, the game's <laughs> begun. You have telepathy. If you know that you have telepathy, it's not something that you bring up. People will think you're crazy.
4: Oh, no. I, I like to think that Jennifer just thinks she's super good at reading people if she focuses really hard. <laughs> Doesn't uh, focuses really...
3: really hard and expends a point of willpower.
4: Yeah, like really hard.
3: <laughs> yeah. And a strange expression crosses Aman's face, but you don't really know what it means. He just looks a little uncomfortable for a moment, basically.
4: Uncomfortable there?
3: Uh, no, he says. you know it's a lie but you can you can either try and call him up on it or it's up to you
4: very well
3: you aman and martinez you head towards there's a a small tavern or bar it's not very large but it's the only one basically ready to pop the question
5: They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
3: Mm-hmm. As you're walking, Armand speaks, but Martinez says nothing. He's just silently looming behind you like a shadow or something like that. As you walk, you see a big... Painted sign on the beach that says in very big and bold words, both in English and in French, Warning at all times, please keep your weapon.
4: Is there much danger around these parts?
3: Amon, who'd just been like maybe blabbering basically, turns around and says, No, no, not any more than you would expect. Why do you ask?
4: What would you think it reasonable for me to expect? What do you think I deal with back in London?
3: Well, we're quite far from anything, so you'd want to be careful. I guess, I suppose there's animals, wild animals about, you know.
4: I tug on Armand's jacket, oh, I'm sure we're fine about those, eh?
3: Um, sure, of course. As you tug on his jacket, I'm going to get you to make another roll, and that would be, that'd be un- probably another wits composure roll. Let's see if you succeed this time. As you tug on his coat, you open it up and you realize you see that he has, in a holster, a revolver. It's a big, dirty-looking thing. Something with a lot of kickback, a powerful, powerful weapon. You also have a revolver, because you're that kind of an archaeologist slash anthropologist, don't you?
4: Yeah, well... Oh, no, mine's a...
3: Yours is a much smaller pistol. Yeah, it's
4: just a service pistol. I can take it on planes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're very proud of that joke.
4: <laughs> Clearly. That's an excellent joke.
3: Mm. <laughs> you walk into the into the bar. Sitting around the table, there are, in total, maybe eight men. You can see that some of them are possibly locals, but a lot of them are wearing those big coats similar to Armand and Martinez with the Bismarck oil and coal stitched on the side. All of them... Mm, no, yeah, I would say all of them. Underneath all of those coats, every single one of them is wearing a boiler suit that looks similarly colored and stylized. They're all wearing uniforms, basically. Arman walks over to them. They're drinking and chatting quite merrily. You see among them, one of them is has a book down in front of him and he's scrolling around in the book. Most of them look like they're... Maybe not local to this specific area, but possibly either Canadian or French, maybe. This specific one man scribbling in a book mm-hmm. looks like he might be Scottish.
4: Is he scribbling in yeah, so scribbling in English?
3: Yeah, he's writing in English. If you wanna have a look at the book.
4: Yeah, I just walk behind and see if I can see what he's doing. All part of the investigation.
3: <laughs> he's scribbling a little doodle of a, uh, he's got like little, in English, little notations all around it. But it's a little doodle of a, a drill going into the earth. It looks like a technical drawing of some sort. If you wanted to, you could make a, I would say, maybe a intelligence academics role to figure out what it is.
4: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's suss it out.
3: That is, your intelligence is two, your academics is one, three dice, uh, no successes.
4: It's so sad to be stupid.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's obviously an oil drill. Yeah. Like, this is an oil company, you're pretty sure that's what they're... Yeah, yeah, from the letter you remember that that's what they found. They found oil here. So you're pretty sure this is a drill to drill down and collect oil. But there's a lot of extra notations. There's something else going on here, maybe. Or, potentially, you're just reading a lot of nothing into this. Honestly, you don't know what you're looking at.
4: No, that's fair. Okay, well, I'll go sit with Aman and Martinez. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll get drinks. I think that's nice. But once we've got our drinks, I just want to ask, do you... Know what that man was drawing a drill for?
3: You're sitting quite close to him. Are you having this conversation in a way that he might not hear?
4: Oh, okay, if it's that close. You're all
3: sitting at the same table. Oh. Yeah.
4: Okay, well, in that case, are you willing to disclose any more about what you found in the mine?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've s- I have saw it myself. It's, I don't know, It a lot of it is still t- trapped in ice or whatever. But what happened was, as we were drilling down, the boys, they hit uh, some sort of natural cave formation or something like that. Just a bunch of tunnels or whatever like that in the ice down there. And uh, as they were, well, it's dangerous to keep drilling once you've hit any sort of air pocket. If you keep drilling, there's a good chance that you're going to collapse something or potentially hit gas. And if we hit gas... (sighs) No good. So the boys were checking it out. And as they're just wandering around, they found, I don't know, there was a couple of bodies frozen in the ice. And there was some big or some set, like a bunch of little statues or something like that. Hard to describe. You'd have to see it. But when we got down there, we had a bunch of locals who were working with us as well. People from here in New Carthage. No one from New Carthage is willing to go there anymore and we can't get anyone to work with us on it. They all think it's bad, I don't even know, bad magic or something like that going down there. None of them like it, and we were just hoping that you could carefully pick it up, take it away, and then we could just keep going, you know?
4: (laughs) Well, I certainly have a knack for being careful, and it does sound rather exciting. Uh. Excuse me, what was your name? I gesture to the Scottish man.
3: James Moore.
4: Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Moore.
3: Moore shakes your hand.
4: Mr. Moore, I see you're working on a drill. Uh, I've come here to help investigate what's been found in the mines. Would, would you mind filling me in on what you're working on? I believe it may help me.
3: Well, uh, when we were drilling down, the the ice that we hit, it... It's not good for the drill if it's going from high pressure to low pressure back to high pressure. So there's a just some damage, a couple of hairline fractures to the drill. We will. I'm just working out how we're going to repair it. We don't really have the parts to do that. We weren't expecting the drill to break like this.
4: No, yeah, of course not. Well, uh, I will be going down with an expedition, and I sort of look toward Arman and uh, Martinez just to sort of. Not check permission so much as let them know that I'm doing this. Well, if you'd like to come down with us to have a bit of a better look, you're so welcome to come. The more the merrier and all that.
3: Uh, Well, yeah, certainly I'll come down and have a look. Wonderful. You'll need a bunch of boys to come down with us. Mm, We certainly It's uh, dangerous down there.
4: Well, for some.
3: He does pretty well on his role. He gives you a weird look and then just turns back to his drawing.
4: Wait, what was the weird look for? What did he find out about me?
3: Who knows? Oh, no. You could tell that he was looking you up and down. Like, he was obviously assessing you. He came to some conclusion, then turned back to his work.
4: We'll just let that fester until it explodes. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds clever.
3: Chatting with the people here, there's 10 workers here, plus another five still on site, who mm-hmm. were just left behind as like a maintenance crew, just to make sure the drill doesn't get too icy, and just to keep the place warm, basically. You'll be heading back with these 10. A lot of them are replacements from locals who don't yeah. want to work anymore, but so in in total, there'll be 15 people, 15 workers, but typically... That place needs a crew of maybe 30 or 35. 15 is kind of a skeleton crew for that uh, For that drill.
4: Uh, and we've got 10, did you say?
3: You've got 10 here, 5 there. Uh, right. <laughs> Plus you make 16. But you're not really a worker. You're just there for other reasons.
4: Uh, yes, I don't know much about the drills. I'm more a seeker of the thrills.
3: Armand explains that any of the workmen... You can get to help you with any sort of, like, moving or any sort of excavation stuff you need to do. Arman says, well, there's probably not going to be a lot that you need to do other than the corpses. The little statue things aren't big. You can't see them properly, really, through the ice. But they're maybe, I don't know, no bigger than a head.
4: Oh, okay. Well, sounds rather easy, doesn't it? Yes. We'll make rather light work of this, then.
3: It takes the workmen a little while to finish their drinks. And as some of them are still finishing their first, or maybe you're not sure how deep these people (laughs) are, some of them look quite like they've had quite a few. But as some of them are finishing their drinks, others impatient order more. That entire time, there are also locals coming in and out. This will be a wits empathy roll. Now, you don't have any empathy. So oh. that's a negative Buzz one, <laughs> but your wits is three, so it's two in total because it's three minus one for having no empathy. Uh, no successes. A lot of the locals stare pretty openly, just stare at you as they walk past, but it's hard to tell specifically why.
4: And they're all they're all locals. Um, I walk up to them and introduce myself, just one at a time.
3: Yeah, uh, but every single one.
4: Yeah. Why not? I've got time. Everyone's finishing their drink. It's taking forever. Well, the
3: first person you introduce yourself to puts his drink down, turns around, and walks away.
4: Pleasure to meet you. I go to the next person. Je m'appelle Jean-Abel.
3: Uh I'm going to make this a manipulation persuasion check to get him to stay and talk to you. Out of four... You got 3 successes, one of them is a 10, so that's a reroll. 3 successes total. See? So, the person there sighs and turns around. Uh, can I help you?
4: Well, I I'm new to the area. I was going to help out with the mines and I just wanted to introduce myself and see how you're doing. I I've, I've heard the mines have had quite an effect on your community.
3: Uh, well, they've employed a bunch of people, but then they've unemployed a bunch of people. Well, for good reason. Look, it's no good. You shouldn't go. It's dangerous.
4: In what way?
3: That place is cursed. It's no good. You'd be better off getting back on your boat, lady, and getting the hell out of here.
4: Well, if it's cursed, wouldn't you like a hand in removing the curse?
3: That's not how curses work, lady. All you're going to do is you're going to unleash it on yourself and on those poor men over there.
4: Well, then, I suppose that's a lot of paycheck going back to you, then.
3: That's just not how a company works, Adam says. The cast.
4: Um, yeah, but does that guy know?
3: What do you, well, yes, he's never been paid by Bismarck, coal and oil. Oil and coal.
4: Uh, he's not one of the locals that lost their job to him.
3: They didn't lose their job, they qu- quit.
4: Yeah, well, y- you could argue.
3: <laughs> All right,
4: I... <laughs> What are you trying to, what are you trying to, what,
3: he says? I don't understand what you mean.
4: Well, if you want everyone out of here so you can have your jobs back. Did you want your jobs back? I don't want,
3: I don't want anyone digging that up. That's cursed. That's bad. You're unleashing some pretty awful stuff.
4: Do you think that once it's out, it will be gone or?
3: It'll be free. What's buried down there is meant to stay like that.
4: What on earth could you think it is?
3: An awful thing. Something that turns men against men. Makes neighbours kill neighbours.
4: Hmm. Sounds like you're implicating yourself in the future, but that's fine.
3: The northern beast.
4: I'm guessing a creature of sorts? A spirit? Tell me spirit what you is think this A spirit is probably close,
3: I suppose. Huh. It's a spirit that inhabits man. Makes him... Mean
4: And you've seen it? Heard of it. So you haven't seen it. Have you been in the mines?
3: No, I ain't going nowhere near that.
4: Okay, do you know anyone in this tavern who has been in the mines? Who told you about this?
3: Some of them have. He gestures back to the table of people that you came from. You can ask them about it.
4: Perhaps I shall. Thank you very much for your help. I go to the other table. (laughs) These are the people who didn't want to speak to me at first, yes?
3: No, this is the group, the workers. The group, the table you were just sitting at?
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, I know them. They don't care. Ugh, they're not going to What are you me. looking for? I just want to speak to someone who went down the mine, like, one of the locals who went, like, I want to know why they quit, but from someone who actually went there. Not just from rumours. I want someone who actually went down there.
3: Well, some of those workers did go down there. Like, Armand said that he went down.
4: Yeah, but he wasn't scared. I want to know why people are scared. <laughs>
3: So, another persuasion plus... I'm going to call it presence this time. Mm -hmm. Check. From one of the locals, you learn that uh, there's a, a man by the name of Ludwig. Ooh. Ludwig was down there. He was one of the workers there. He came back, like, quite upset that it had happened. For a lot of people, this is like their history and stuff like that. Hmm. This is a historic find and stuff like that. He seemed incredibly incensed that it had been disturbed at all, and no one's really seen or spoken with him since. But he and his wife live not too far from
4: here. Okay. Well, of course they do. This is yeah, <laughs> the Carthage, small Carthage town. Carthage is their home. Yeah. Okay. I go back to the table with Aman Martinez and. Um, oh, I didn't write the Scottish ne- man's down name. His name's
3: James Moore. Moore. He's the chief engineer.
4: Well, everyone here is just hearing rumours and no one's actually been down there aside from you lot. You've been down there. It didn't frighten you like it did these people?
3: Why would it? It's just a bunch of bones.
4: Well, I've I've heard about a, a man named Ludwig who lives pretty close to you. Have <sighs> you spoken to him at all?
3: One of the workmen leans over and spits. He looks at you and addresses you directly. Ludvik's a crazy old man. He was uh, one of the one of a handful of people who was down there. He just got really upset. Nearly took a swing at me. Fuck him.
4: Hmm. I suppose that does match up with the story about this creature or spirit making man turn on man. But he could just be cuckoo. If any of you are free, i would love some accompaniment to visit Ludwig. I'd love to ask him some questions before we go down there, you know, if at least if it makes us feel like we're more prepared.
3: Arman drums on the table and takes out a little pocket watch. Checking it, he looks back at you and says, we don't have a lot of time here.
4: Well, all right. If we don't have a lot of time, then perhaps we should just have our wits about us and try not to kill each other.
3: Uh, all right. Uh, we'll, we'll do our best, Armand says. You're not, you don't believe these stories, do you?
4: I believe in humans. I'm an anthropologist, after all. I believe that the reason people tell stories has a lot of merit to them. I believe that the value people put on things can be magic in itself, and I think it's worth at least hearing everybody out.
3: Oh, Okay. Uh, I'm gonna get you to make another empathy, <laughs> empathy wits roll.
4: Cool. So that's another
3: two dice. <laughs> uh, Arman looks quite uh, beyond put out. He looks genuinely upset to hear that you believe these tales.
4: I didn't say I believed it.
3: Well, he seems to think that you've. He seems to think Arman. that you're not taking as strong a stance against it. Uh, are you going to leave with them na- now then?
4: Yeah, yeah, let's chuff.
3: It's the s- same ship that you came in here on. It's uh, They just needed some time for you guys to gather up the workmen. They've been ready for a while now. <laughs> uh, over a couple of journeys, you get everyone onto the boat, then you set off west.
5: Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over.